Uh, Okay, well, if you have your Bible this morning, please open up to the book of Romans chapter 12. As we continue on this morning in our special summer teaching series dealing with the subject of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I say we normally have a couple of spare Bibles around, but I'm looking around and I can't see whether they've been put out uh, or not. Okay, my wife is gesturing negative, so maybe they've all been taken. Uh, But if you don't have a Bible, someone next to you will share, Um, although this morning um, I'm probably going to be telling you most of the verses we're going to be looking at, so you'll probably be okay. Um, But over the last few weeks, we've been working our way slowly through uh, the gifts of the Spirit as they uh, are given to us in the book of Romans chapter uh, 12, which is one of four passages uh, in the New Testament that lists uh, a number of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The other lists are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, two lists, uh, and Ephesians chapter 4. And across all those lists, there are around 20 specific spiritual gifts listed, and that's not an absolute number. Um, None of those lists are intended to be exhaustive, Uh, And so there may be others that are not mentioned, and sometimes some of the gifts in one list uh, may use a different word to another list, but it may be referring to the same uh, basic uh, gift. Um, But spiritual gifts are very important, Uh, and understanding spiritual gifts are very important, because the Bible tells us that every uh, believer has a spiritual gift given to them by God, and every believer is called to use that gift Uh, for the benefit of others and for the building up uh, of the church. Uh, Now, a spiritual gift, very simply defined and very broadly defined, is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry uh, in the church. And we've likened uh, these various spiritual gifts to a kind of spiritual toolbox. Uh, Just like at home, you might have a toolbox with lots of different tools uh, in it. You may have a hammer You may have a saw, you may have a screwdriver, uh, all different tools that are designed to do different things, but yet they are all uh, important. Uh, Not all of the tools are needed for every job. If you want to cut a piece of wood in half, you wouldn't use a hammer, Uh, you would use a saw. Uh, But all tools are needed for some job. Uh, If you want a nail, you need a hammer to hammer in that nail. Uh, And sometimes uh, you may need several tools uh, to complete a job. So if you want to build a box, you may need a saw and a hammer uh, to come together. They've got different tasks, but they work together uh, to complete uh, the common uh, goal. Uh, And spiritual gifts are much like that in the life of the church. We have gifts given by God, uh, and they're all important, such as we've seen in Romans chapter 12, the gift of teaching, Uh, the gift of mercy, of giving, of serving, and so on. And they're all different, and they all do different things, and they all meet uh, different needs. And not all of those gifts are needed for every situation uh, that happens within the church, Uh, but every gift is needed for some uh, situation. And sometimes there are several gifts uh, that may be combined in one person or in several people uh, that are needed in a particular uh, situation. Uh, And so there's a great variety of spiritual gifts, a great diversity of spiritual gifts that differ from one person to the next. Uh, And we're all called to come together in the church of Jesus Christ and use our gifts 
uh, for the benefit of others and for the building up of the church. Uh, and, you know, there may be a situation where one person has a hammer, so to speak, uh, and you have the saw, and they're struggling to cut the wood that needs to be cut, and you need to come alongside them and help them with your hammer uh, to do that work. Uh, and so it's vitally important we understand that we all have a part to play. Uh, we all uh, have a gift from God, and it's important that we all uh, recognize that, uh, and we are willing uh, to use those things uh, in the daily life of the church. And so we've started in Romans uh, chapter 12, and we've taken the time uh, to go slowly through the gifts lifted in Romans chapter 12, because I think these gifts are the primary, what we can call motivational gifts that God has given for the uh, ongoing daily ministry uh, of the church. These are gifts that have been given uh, that are more akin to permanent possessions subject to the will of God uh, that we are given that we can use sort of indiscriminately. We can use them as and when the need applies. We can seek out opportunities uh, to use them. Um, And so uh, these gifts, I think, are really the the primary uh, gifts that are used in the day-to-day life uh, of the church. And so far, we've looked at five of the seven gifts uh, listed. We started by looking at the four serving gifts uh, in this list. There's the gift of ministry or the gift of service, the gift of giving, the gift of leading, and the gift of showing mercy. They're all vitally important ministries, all vitally important gifts uh, within the life of the church. And last week, we started to look at the speaking gifts. There are serving gifts and there are speaking gifts. Uh, And we said the gift of prophecy will leave until we Uh, consider it in the list of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, The context of 1 Corinthians helps us with that one. Last week we looked at the gift of teaching. Uh, This week we're going to look at the gift of exhortation. Uh, And so as we've gone through these gifts, you may well have recognized where you fit into uh, this sort of spiritual uh, gifting. You may have understood as we've gone through the gift of teaching you may think oh yeah that 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 that's me that's what that's what i want to do that's the gift that i have or maybe the gift of showing mercy and you think oh yeah that that's me uh, and you may have recognized those things as we've gone through we may have gone through those gifts and you might have thought well actually i don't sort of recognize any of those things uh, and maybe this morning uh, the gift of exhortation will be something that will uh, be uh, recognizable for you in terms of your own life but while not everybody has every one of these gifts, um, although I believe we all have at least one, we do all need the ministry of these gifts in our lives. And so for that reason, it's been worth going carefully through these gifts because while I might not be gifted as a teacher, although actually that is my primary gift, so bad example, you may not be gifted as a teacher, but you still need the ministry of teaching in your life. You may not be gifted in showing mercy in that special gifted sense, but you will go through times of discouragement in your life where you need somebody to come alongside you and show you mercy. You know, you may not have the, the specific spiritual gift of giving, yet there may be a time in your life where you've been thankful or you need someone to come alongside you who's got that gift of giving. Uh, And so while we don't have all of these gifts, we do need the ministry of all these gifts. Uh, And so we've gone through these gifts carefully, uh, one by one, um, 
Firstly, for the purpose of recognizing the gift if you have it and encouraging you to, to develop that and use it. But even if you don't have it, you need to know that somebody else does. Uh, and there is somebody that can come alongside you and help you and minister to you in whatever situation that might uh, arise. And so this morning we come on to the gift of exhortation. Uh, the gift of exhortation. And that is found in Romans chapter 12 and in verse 8, the beginning of verse 8. The whole uh, general thrust uh, of this passage in Romans chapter 12, Paul is saying, if you have a gift, then use it. If you have a gift, then use it. And he says, if you have, uh, if you are one who exhorts, use that gift in exhortation. If you are gifted in exhortation, then use that gift of exhortation for the benefit of others and for the building up uh, of the body of Christ. And so we're going to be considering the gift uh, of exhortation together this morning. So let's pray and ask God's blessing uh, upon our time together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you uh, that you have given gifts uh, to your church uh, to help us and to enable us uh, to minister to one another. Father, we recognize, Lord, with humble hearts that we need to be ministered to. Now, there's no one here this morning, Lord, that is the finished article. None of us have made it, none of us achieved, and many of us are very, very well aware of that in our own personal lives. Uh, and Father, we thank you uh, that you have brought us into your family. You have brought us into the church where we can receive the ministry that we need from others. And so, Lord, I ask this morning, uh, Lord, that you would give us, uh, Lord, humble hearts uh, to receive your word. Lord, for those of us that are gifted in this area of exhortation, Lord, whether we know it or we don't, Lord, I just pray that you would do a work of your spirit, uh, Lord, in, in those hearts this morning, uh, to encourage and, Lord, to equip so that those gifts may be used more effectively in the ministry of the church. And Lord, maybe many of us don't have that gift of exhortation, Lord, but help us to understand the gift. Help us to understand the ministry. So when somebody who has the gift comes alongside us and exhorts us, we don't take it the wrong way. We don't not understand what's going on, but we're able to receive it as a gift that you have given as a ministry that we need in our lives. Uh, and so, Lord, we ask your blessing upon this time together. Lord, bless your word to our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, uh, as we've been going through these gifts in Romans chapter 12, we've uh, followed a pattern of uh, firstly explaining the gift and very simply what it is and what it looks like in, in the life of an individual who may possess this gift. Uh, then we've looked at the gift uh, as it worked itself out in the life of Jesus. Uh, thirdly, we've looked at it uh, as it worked out in the life of the early church. Uh, and finally, uh, we've pointed out some, some dangers or some pitfalls to avoid if you happen to have uh, the particular gift. Uh, oftentimes, uh, when we have a gift, there, there are some things uh, that can come and, uh, and maybe we could use the gift in the wrong way or maybe we could uh, sort of be distracted uh, by some other things and so on. And so 
so that's what we're going to do with the gift of exhortation. We're going to simply define the gift. We're going to look at it in the life of Jesus, look at it in the life of the early church, and then uh, point out some uh, pitfalls or some dangers to be careful of if you happen to have uh, this gift. Uh, and so firstly then, what is the gift of exhortation? What does the word exhortation mean? That's a good uh, start. Well, the word exhortation is a translation of a, a Greek word which literally means to come alongside. To come alongside. The idea being to come alongside another person to encourage them, to comfort them, to strengthen them. And so, someone who exhorts is a person who comes alongside another person and they come, comes alongside them with the purpose of encouraging them uh, essentially by applying uh, the truth of God's word to their life. Uh, and so the exhorter then is one who uh, himself or herself follows the Lord but then encourages and motivates others to follow the Lord with them. Uh, and if somebody falls by the wayside, so to speak, maybe because they're going through a difficult time in life or uh, maybe because they feel like they just want to give up and go home or maybe they've fallen into some kind of sin. Uh, the person with the gift of exhortation is a person who would go to them, who would sort of pick them up if they're down and say, come on, don't give up, don't turn back, uh, carry on, let's pray together, let's read the scriptures together, let's serve together, let's do something, let's move on. Let's not stay where we are, but let's get up and let's move on in our Christian life. Now, we need to understand that the gift of exhortation has two sides to it, as it were. Sort of two sides of a coin. Um, it's a gift that is expressed in, in two uh, basic ways. Uh, and those two ways are expressed by two different English words, but they really are contained in the idea of this one uh, Greek word. Oftentimes we use the word encouragement in English encouragement. Now, that's a nice word, isn't it? We all like the word encouragement. Uh, you know, we think, oh, yes, we all like to be encouraged. That's, that's a kind of a positive kind of thing. Um, but then the word exhortation, as we use it in English, often has a slightly different connotation. It carries the idea of somebody kind of telling somebody else what to do, and that kind of has a bit of a more of a negative -y kind of connotation. It's something that maybe we don't like uh, so much. But both are important. Let me just explain. Um, there may be a time in life when you're going through a really difficult time and you're discouraged. And someone comes alongside you and they come alongside you just to encourage you. Maybe to reassure you that, you know, God is in control. Maybe they share a scripture with you. Maybe they remind you of God's faithfulness. Maybe they share with you out of their own experience and the faithfulness of God in, in your own life. And you talk things through with them. And all of a sudden, uh, your circumstances don't look so bad. And you feel better about yourself. And you're encouraged. And you think that's great. And this person has come alongside you to encourage you and minister to you and lift you up. And you think, oh, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful ministry. You know, thank you, Lord, for that person and for that ministry of encouragement. And that's a generally positive thing. And I think we would all look at that and think, oh, what a great thing. What a wonderful thing. We like that. Yes, come and do that to me. That's wonderful. Uh, but then on the other hand, there's this idea of exhortation, where the motive isn't so much to, to lift you up, uh, but it's to kind of move you on. Uh, the exhorter wants to pull you up from the situation that you find yourself in. doesn't want you to stay there. You can't stay there because if you stay there, 
then you'll be going nowhere, stuck in your discouragement. And the exhorter will come and say, come on, let's move on in the things of the Lord. Let's do something. You know, maybe it will be, you need to make this decision and you need to make it now. Maybe you need to start going to church again. Uh, Maybe you need to go talk to that person. Maybe you need to start doing this. Maybe you need to stop doing that or whatever it may be. Uh, And the problem with this side of the ministry is that we often don't like being told what to do especially when we don't want to do it. If I wanted to make the decision, I would have already made it. But I've actually been putting it off because I don't want to make it. Maybe I'm scared. Maybe I don't know what's going to happen and so on. But the fact of the matter is you need to make the decision and somebody with a gift of exhortation comes and tells you, make the decision. And you're like, oh, no, I don't want to. You see, oftentimes we have a natural thing within us that doesn't like being told what to do. Uh, That's called pride, by the way. We all have it. Our hearts are kind of full of it. And uh, whenever you kind of see that kind of coming up inside of you, you can recognize it, and you kind of all of a sudden, somebody says something, you say, no, who would you think you are telling me what to do? Pride. There it is. We need to recognize that. But we need this ministry as well. We need it desperately. And praise God for those people that are willing Uh, to come alongside them and and exhort them to make a decision, exhort them uh, to do what's right, exhort them to uh, continue on uh, in their lives uh, with the Lord. They're people who oftentimes see the things that we don't see or see the things that we're not willing to see. And they bring a light into our situation and make things very clear for us. Uh, And so whether it's on the positive side, as it were, in terms of encouraging, whether it's on the more negative side, dare I say, in terms of exhorting. It's a ministry that's vitally important in the church. In fact, uh, the word translated exhort here is used some 109 times in the New Testament, which underlines uh, it's important in life. And I think we uh, all understand that because uh, just explaining that, whether it's encouragement or exhortation, I think we can all recognize that there are times in our life maybe lots of times in our life, when we need that ministry. We need that ministry. You know, we all get discouraged at times, and we need to talk to somebody who will encourage us, and it's a wonderful thing. Uh, We all have a tendency to maybe put off things that we know we should be doing, and we need someone to come alongside us and to exhort us to move uh, forward. And so we all need this gift, uh, working uh, through the life of others, you know, for our uh, benefit. Now... Just broadening this out then a little bit. Um, As with many of the other gifts listed here in Romans chapter 12, there is um, a general sense, a more general sense in which the ministry of exhortation is something that we all have a responsibility to partake in. Uh, In a general sense, we are all called to exhort one another, to encourage one another. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, um, We read this, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together, as is the manner of son, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day that is the return of Christ approaching. And so there is a general sense with this uh, ministry of exhortation 
that we all have a part to play. We all have a responsibility to be encouragers of one another, to be exhorters uh, of one another. Uh, and as we've seen, like with the gift of serving, uh, for example, we're all called to be servants, although some people are specially gifted. That's their primary ministry. Uh, we're all called to be generous and, and giving, but there are some people who are the, the gift of giving is their primary ministry. Uh, likewise, we're all called to exhort and encourage one another, but there are some people whose primary ministry in the church, they are specially gifted in this area of exhortation. Uh, and I don't uh, believe in the idea that just because uh, I'm not gifted at something, therefore I should have nothing to do with it. Now, sure, if you're not gifted in something, maybe you shouldn't commit your life to doing it. Uh, you should commit your life primarily to doing what you are particularly gifted in. Uh, but oftentimes it's a cop-out to say, well, you know what, I'm not going to come early you know, to set up because I don't have the ministry gift of service. And so, you know, I, I can't do that because it's just not my gift. Uh, and oftentimes what you mean by that is I want to stay in bed and I don't want to come early. But it sounds much more spiritual to put it in the terms of uh, I don't have the gift. And so I think we can recognize when we're sort of just uh, kind of making excuses um, over and against when we genu- genuinely uh, are not doing something because of the fact that we're not gifted in that area. And so with that said, we're all called in a general sense to be encouragers of one another, to, to exhort one another, to stir one another up to love and good works, as the writer to the Hebrew says. Uh, but there are some people who are specially gifted in this area to encourage, to exhort, to comfort others, and to motivate them to serve uh, and follow uh, the Lord. And those people whose, pri- whose primary gifting is this, and oftentimes the exhorters amongst us are people that we know, um, uh, oftentimes it becomes very clear uh, after a while of knowing somebody who has this gift that this is their, their gift. And those people who are exhorters are actually exhorted by Paul here and are being exhorted by me here this morning to exhort others. Okay, so I'm exhorting you, if you're an exhorter, to exhort. Okay, because that's what Paul is doing. He's exhorting exhorters to exhort. There you go. So, uh, what does a person who has the gift of exhortation uh, look like then in in practice? Well, I think the person who has a gift of exhortation has, has a very obvious love for people. Yes, we should all love people, but when I say love for people... I I don't necessarily mean a kind of a a flowery kind of love, uh, but I mean a a strong desire to see them walk with the Lord, Uh, a real strong desire to see them walk with the Lord, and and they love to help and encourage them to do that. seems to be the the, the primary motivating thing that they have in their lives. Oftentimes, uh, the love that is demonstrated by by an exhorter is of the tough variety. Oftentimes, what we'd refer to as tough variety. Love. person with the gift of exhortation is often a straight talker. Uh, you know where you stand with somebody uh, who has the gift of exhortation. They have a tendency to tell it the way it is. Something needs to be said. They're going to say it. Uh, and I think we know those people uh, that have this uh, particular uh, gift. But oftentimes, they're, they're people that, that are always available I mean, if you want to talk, they're always willing to talk. They want to know what's going on in your life. They want to encourage you to follow the Lord. You know, oftentimes they see potential uh, in others that maybe other people would overlook. Some of us may kind of be a little bit dismissive without thinking about it, but the person who has the gift of exhortation will be right in there uh, and will see the potential and will exhort people to fulfill 
uh, that potential. Uh, and it's a gift that has multiple expressions uh, practically in the life of the church. Uh, one expression could be through the gift of teaching as well. Teaching and exhortation, they often come together. And in fact, exhortation ought to form part of teaching. Yes, we learn, we understand the, the word of God and that's great, but now we need to follow it. Now we need to obey it. Now we need to live our lives that are pleasing to the Lord. And so, so oftentimes teaching kind of is followed up with exhortation. Exhortation to follow the Lord. Exhortation to do this or do that. But I think primarily this gift is expressed more on an individual basis. Uh, through one-on-one -on -one conversations. Maybe on an informal basis. Through relationships uh, that we have developed with uh, one another. Uh, it may involve coming alongside someone who's uh, just recently come to faith in Christ and encouraging them and exhorting them uh, to, to continue on and to learn and, and to grow and to serve and so on. It could be coming alongside someone who's struggling uh, in their faith or struggling in life. Uh, maybe coming alongside a believer who's fallen into sin uh, to exhort them uh, to confess their sin and to forsake their sin and to, to, to follow Jesus and and be restored to fellowship. Um, whatever form it takes, however it is expressed, the gift of exhortation, it's a vital ministry uh, within the church and a ministry uh, that is needed and is a blessing uh, to all of us. And so, if you're here this morning and you are an exhorter, uh, this, is, this is your gift. Uh, I want you to know this. Yes, I'm exhorting you to exhort if you're an exhorter, but I want you to know this. There are some people here today who need your ministry. And if you don't know who they are, I would exhort you to find out. Because we all need to one degree or another. But there'll be some of us here this morning that particularly need a word of exhortation, encouragement. And if you have the gift of exhortation, but you kind of have a tendency to just keep yourself to yourself and not really speak to people, then Paul is encouraging you to stop doing that and to start talking to people. And start talking to people and find out what's going on. Ask questions and encourage them. Just be an encouragement. Exhort them to follow on uh, in the life God has called them uh, to live. And so, the gift of exhortation Vitally important in the church, vitally important for us all to receive. And if you're an exhorter, I would exhort you to exhort. Vitally important. So, secondly then, how do we see this working itself out in the life of Jesus? A few examples here. Uh, and and this, is, this is a good one. I like this one. Um, turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, um, which was written probably around about 90 AD or so, there or thereabouts. Um, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, there are seven short letters from the risen ascended Jesus Christ to seven churches. Uh, and the first letter in Ephesians chapter 2 is to the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus. Now you may recall from our studies in the book of Acts. You may recall from our studies in the book of Acts. Uh, 
the Apostle Paul spent a good deal of time in the city of Ephesus, where a church was established. You may recall, actually, uh, there was a great, what we might call, revival in the city of Ephesus. Uh, The city was famous for its temple uh, of Diana and its pagan worship and its idolatry and its um, kind of immoral uh, worship and so on. And uh, they had these silversmiths there who would make these little idols of Diana that people would take and they'd take up to the temple and they'd offer them on the fires of the altar and then they'd take them home and so on. Uh, But when the gospel went to Ephesus, so many people came to faith in Christ and forsook the worship of Diana, the silversmiths were going out of business. So much so that they had a meeting thinking, hang on a second, these people that are preaching Jesus... uh, we're losing our livelihood here. We need to do something about it. And so they, they grabbed one of the Christians and they, they brought him into the room and ensued a massive riot. And, um, uh, and uh, by God's sort of divine intervention through the, the governor who was there in the city, um, the whole thing quelled and things moved on. And then later on, Paul wrote a letter to that church. Uh, it's the letter to the Ephesians in our Bible, New Testament book of Ephesians. And as we read through that letter, the letter is one of those letters that's really all positive. Unlike the letter to the Corinthians, which is like, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, why on earth are you doing this, I can't believe you did that. Um, The letter to the Ephesians is all very positive. It was a thriving church. It was a church that had a great ministry, was having a great impact in the city. All positive. About 30 years later, this short letter is written to the church in Ephesus. The church that was born out of a great work of the Spirit of God and the church that was thriving for a number of years. Uh, And notice that here in this letter, the gift of exhortation, the ministry of exhortation is expressed. And we see the two sides, the encouragement and the exhortation, the call to uh, respond. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. If you're wondering what that's that's all about, uh, talk to me afterwards. I'm not going to explain it now. Um, Verse 2. These are the words. The words of Jesus. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. That's encouraging, isn't it? You've got Jesus talking to the church and he starts up with encouragement. You know, great encouragement. You know, I I know your labor. I, I know your patience. I know that you don't like evil. You know, I know that you labor for my name's sake. Uh, what a great thing to know that, that the risen ascended Jesus, he, know, he knows, he sees and uh, and he recognizes and acknowledges uh, those things. So, so encouragement starts with encouragement. But, notice verse 4, nevertheless. So here's the other side of the coin coming. Encouragement, now exhortation. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember what it was like when you first got saved. Remember those early days of the church. And repent. Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. 
And so we have the encouragement, that's positive. Oh yes, I like that, carry on, I'll have some more of that. But then we have the exhortation. You have left your first love, you need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to stop neglecting me, Jesus is saying. And turn your attention back towards me. You're doing all these good things, and those good things are good. But you've sort of forgotten about me a little bit here. So you need to repent. You need to turn around. He calls them to respond. That's how he exhorts them. Uh, and so, and oftentimes, and there's a, there's a great deal of wisdom there. Oftentimes, that's a good thing. If you've got the gift of exhortation, sort of go, you know, start with some encouragement before you get to the repentance. <laughs> oftentimes, that's a good thing. Um, you know, so I think one of the dangers we'll, we'll see, actually, I don't know if I've got this on my list, but one of the dangers, I'll say you now, some of the gift of exhortation, is that they can always, you have a tendency to see the negative. You need to do this, you need to do that, you need to change, you need to do this. And sort of oftentimes can be blind to, to the good things and the positive. And it's, it's very important that as somebody who's an exhorter, that, that you're not blind to the good things and the positive things. But you acknowledge them, you recognize, and you encourage them to continue in those good things. Uh, and then come to the point of exhorting. And so that's important. And that's what we see Jesus doing here. And so the gift in the life of, of Jesus, um, we'll move on to the life of the early church. There's a couple of verses here. Firstly, in Acts chapter 14, um, Acts chapter 14, In verse 21 and 22, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, as they were traveling around on the missionary uh, journey, uh, Acts 14, 21, when they had preached the gospel into that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And when they went to those churches, what did they do? Verse 22, they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now you read that in isolation, you think, hang on a second, that's not very encouraging. What, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God? But here's the thing, Uh, those believers were suffering under persecution. And when you're suffering, one of the dangers you can often think is, what's going on, there's something wrong you know, maybe I don't have enough faith, maybe I'm doing something wrong in my life, maybe there's something sort of wrong with me. And oftentimes it's the reality of life. And, and those Christians were struggling under persecution. And they may have been thinking, oh, is, is this worth carrying on following Jesus if I'm suffering all of this? And so what do Paul and Barnabas do? They come, they recognize the difficulty, they recognize the struggle they're facing, and they exhort them to continue following on the Lord, saying, you know what, all this persecution, that's normal. Don't worry about it. It's not weird. You're not doing anything wrong. This is a normal part of the Christian life. In fact, even Jesus said, they persecuted me, and if they persecute me, they will persecute you. And so, a difficult exhortation to give, but a necessary one. Uh, and there, there was great fruit from that. And one more example, actually in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul charging Timothy to use this gift. And this is an important one as well. Uh, I'll just read it to you. 2 Timothy 4, I think beginning in verse 2, he said, uh, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort 
with all long-suffering and teaching. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And so the ministry of exhortation in the midst of those other things is vitally important. Why? Because there are times when people, they will want to walk away from the truth. They won't want to hear the truth. And Paul is saying, don't give up. In fact, if people don't want to hear the truth, you need to exhort even more. And of course our exhortation is an exhortation based on the truth of God's word. Sometimes it's a simple exhortation that the Bible is the truth of God's word. And maybe somebody's walking away from that and thinking, you know what? You know, I know it says that, but you know, I don't really like that. And so I'm just going to kind of chalk that one up to, you know, Paul just being weird. And I'm just going to move on and live my life. And you're like, hang on a second, what are you doing? This is the word of God. And this is especially important in an environment in which the authority of the word is being challenged. Like it is in our society and culture and even in large sections of the professing church uh, today. So those words to Timothy are words that are vitally important. Uh, for us uh, to heed today. And so finally, as we close, some dangers to avoid if you have the gift of exhortation. I've already given you one. Uh, One general one, just one general. I think this applies to everybody in, in encouragement in general. One danger is that we can sometimes inadvertently become discouragers rather than encouragers. Oftentimes in the church... People can be better at tearing people down than they are at building people up. They can have a tendency to want to gossip about people, criticize people behind their backs, and so on and so forth. But that kind of behavior is destructive, it is sinful, and it has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. Don't be a discourager. This is an exhortation, right? Don't be a discourager, be an encourager. If someone has a fault, don't criticize them behind their back to others, but be obedient to the scriptures and go talk to them. Go talk to them. Get to know them and encourage them. Don't think, oh, that person, look, they're doing that, they're useless or whatever. Confess that sin and that attitude to the Lord. Come and get to know them and encourage them. Come alongside them. Help them. And so don't be a discourager, be an encourager. Uh, But specifically, if you've got the gift of exhortation, sometimes those who are exhorters can themselves become discouraged. Because oftentimes it's a very difficult ministry. Oftentimes it involves you saying things to people that are difficult things to say or difficult things to hear. And because they're difficult for people to hear, they can be difficult to say. Oftentimes you might get a negative response and that can be discouraging. So... If you've got the gift of exhortation, and that recognize that's something that can and will happen. It's part, sort of par for the course, so to speak. Don't be discouraged. Stay faithful to the ministry that God has given you. Stay faithful uh, to the word that God has given you. Now, another danger would be speaking the truth without love. Oftentimes, this can come as a result of discouragement in ministry. If the exhorter is discouraged, sometimes he just gets fed up. What's wrong with you? Why won't you just... See? It can happen. It's easy. Yes, we must speak the truth. Yes, we must tell it the way it is. But you must care. 
You've got to care. You've got to love the person. You've got to want the best for that person. Because without that love, the exhortation is just going to come out all wrong. And it isn't going to have the desired effect. And it isn't going to be building up. It's rather going to be tearing down. And so speak the truth. Speak it in love. And, and finally, final danger is temptation to become a flatterer rather than an encourager. Flattery is a sin. It is to praise falsely or unduly and to do so for your own advantage. Oftentimes, there can be a temptation to encourage somebody in order to win them over as your friend or get them to think highly of you or to get them to do something that you want them to do or get you to give you something that you want and to use this ministry for your own ends and for your own advantage. And that is a danger and that is a sin. Proverbs twenty six twenty eight: a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it and a flattering mouth works ruin. Flattery is lies. It is selfish lies. And so it's a very, it can, be, it can be a temptation in the ministry of encouragement. To encourage for selfish reasons. We must guard our hearts against uh, that. And so, in conclusion, if you have the gift of exhortation, you're exhorted this morning to exhort. Find those people, even here this morning when we're having coffee, find those people who need encouragement. And encourage them. And if you need encouragement this morning and you'd rather not talk to people, be open to receive that encouragement from others. Acknowledge that you need it even if you don't want it. Because sometimes we just don't want to. We want to keep ourselves to ourselves. But God knows better than you. It's a hard thing to learn, I know. But God says you need it. And so whether you want it or not, it's kind of by the by. We need what we need. Uh, And so let us... All be encouragers generally, but if you have the gift of encouragement, use that gift for the building up of the church. And so next week we'll go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll continue the theme of speaking gifts uh, next week. And it's a slightly different context in chapter 12, and over the next few weeks we're going to conclude uh, sort of our study in the gifts of the Spirit uh, in chapter 12, and and also um, Ephesians 4 over the next three weeks weeks okay let's pray father we thank you for your word uh, to us this morning we thank you for the gifts that you've given to the church for our benefit and for the building up of your people i pray lord for anyone this morning uh, lord to whom you've given the gift of exhortation i pray that you will bless them in their ministry i pray that you will encourage them i pray that you will strengthen them and that you will give them the boldness that they need to practice that gift for the benefit of others, for the building up of your church and for your glory. Uh, Father, I pray for those of us here this morning that need encouragement. I just pray that you would give us humble hearts to receive the ministry that you have provided for us, to lift us up, to encourage us, to bless us. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. Uh, We thank you for the blessing of being part of the family of God. Uh, We thank you that we can give and receive these things and mutually encourage and edify and be blessed uh, by one another. Lord, what a blessing it is to be part uh, of the family of God, to be part of a local church, to have brothers and sisters in Christ uh, alongside us who care for us, who love us, 
the desire to help us and to support us. Lord, help us to be encouragers of one another and help us to receive the encouragement that we have from one another, that we all may benefit unto your glory. So we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.